Genesis chapter 43, what I want us to see tonight is an amazing picture of the Holy Spirit that's found in Genesis chapter 43. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I've heard people uh, do things with types, biblical types, and a biblical type is where you have a character in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and then the anti-type is demonstrated in the New Testament. Most of the time, the types are uh, types of the Godhead. So here we have a beautiful picture in the life of Joseph, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. But just as we saw with, um, with Isaac's steward, and he's only named once, and he's not named, and he disappears after the bride is, is given to the bridegroom. Here we see a steward, and the first thing that we notice about him is he is not named. We're never given his name. So let's look at some characteristics of the Holy Spirit first, and then we're going to go to Genesis. I had you open to Genesis, so just tear out one of your maps and stick it in there. How many of you are out of maps now from doing that? Anybody? All right. Um, put a marker there in Genesis 43. Let's go to, let's go to uh, John chapter 14. And let's look at some characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's begin by establishing that we believe in the Godhead. Let's just do this. Keep your place in John. Go to 1 John, chapter 5. Why not, right? We're here. The way that my brain works, or doesn't work, depending on who you speak to, is... I ask questions, and I'd rather have a biblical answer than a human answer. So let's begin here. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. That's the best verse in your Bible on the Trinity. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Holy Ghost, uh, for the three bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So you want, might want to mark that. Now, how many of you have a footnote there that says this verse is not found in the best or oldest manuscripts? Or Any of you have a note that says that? All of the modern Bibles actually take that verse out. It's not even in the Bible. It's just gone. Don't you think that's a verse that Satan would want to take care of? <laughs> yeah, especially when you look at you know all the different cults that are out there, whether Jehovah's Witnesses or whatever, that deny the Lordship of Christ. We were um, all the way up at Estes, or we were going to Estes Park. We're at the top of Trail Ridge Road uh, in Rocky Mountain National Forest. How many of you have ever been there? Uh, we we talk, talk about going to the top. They have a, it's a place where you can view things. Well, Jehovah's Witnesses had a, a, a table set up, and they're giving away literature. So there were, there were these two ladies behind the table, and they were talking to this man. So I just kind of <laughs> sauntered up and just kind of got in there right next to the guy. And I said, did they tell you that they don't believe that Jesus Christ is God? And this guy, <laughs> this guy just kind of goes like this. And I said, Jesus Christ is God, um, but they don't believe that he is. Well, we believe he's the son of God. I said, but you don't believe he's God. Don't lie. And uh, you should have seen these ladies. They didn't have any idea what to do. But when you talk... To, and, and, and now here, folks, don't miss this, man. When those people come to your street, just walk with them down the street. You know, 
help them not to be able to spread their heresy to your neighbors. Amen. You know where they, the, the, these cults, they build off of weak Christians. That's, that's where they come from. And so we've got to make sure that they don't uh, have an inroad. Well, the problem is they don't have the same God that we do. Our God, and the reason I brought up the Jehovah's Witnesses, is if you, t- if you take a Jehovah's Witness to this verse, they're going to let you know that most uh, new Bibles remove that from the Bible. Well, that's fine. Satan has done a lot of things to the Bible. But this is the best verse on the Trinity, and we understand that there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So we believe in a Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? And they're co-equal, co-existent, co-eternal. Jesus Christ is just as much God as God the Father. God the Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Son. Amen? None of them have a beginning. None of them have an ending. Uh, they, they coexist. They're co-eternal. And they're infinitely powerful. So it, it's vitally important that we understand that. We're going to say some things about the Holy Spirit. But the things that we say about the Holy Spirit tonight in no way diminish Him. We're going to talk about His role. The role that He has chosen. The role that He has accepted from God the Father. So... You might want to write this down. If you don't have this written down yet, you might want to have this somewhere in your Bible. And this will help you not to understand the Trinity. How many of you have ever had a hard time understanding the Trinity? Good. Because as soon as you understand it, that means you are infinite. And uh, then, you know, then we've got a problem. All right. Now, you ready? Here are the roles that they take. God the Father ordains. Some of you can already say this. God the Father ordains. God the Son speaks, and God the Holy Spirit executes. God the Father ordains, God the Son speaks, and God the Holy Spirit executes. All right? So here's the idea. God the Father, everything is done by the will of the Father. Jesus Christ only does those things that the Father has commanded. That's what the Bible says. Then when we're going to see some things about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He won't speak of Himself. And so these are roles and submission, order, structure, and submission in the Godhead, and that really helps us to understand our roles. Amen? Amen? So, just like in the home, God has order, structure, and submission. Jesus Christ is over it all. But God has made the man the head, the wife submits to the husband, and the children submit to mother and father. That's just God's plan. That's the way that it is. Does that mean that the wife is less than the husband? Of course not. Of course not. And I'll tell you where this starts to break down is, guys, when you live lives that aren't worthy of being uh, submitted to. That, that, that gets to be a real problem for the ladies. Amen? But that doesn't change the fact that you're still supposed to submit. And so why? Because it is given to us. Laura, are you speaking up over here? <laughs> All right, we're going to have to discipline my wife publicly in service. We've never had a caning in the church service. I think, I think that might be a good idea. But that, that is an example. The man's not less than the woman, and yet God has said that the man's the head and the wife is supposed to submit. Well, if she was less, then that means that when the Holy Spirit submits to God the Father, that means the Holy Spirit is less God. He is not. Amen? All right. So just some groundwork. To, it, it, just in case you don't know what we believe, the Holy Spirit is every bit as much God as God the Father. All right? And God the Son. So now, let's go to John chapter 14. 
All right, let's start reading in verse 14. John 14, 14. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Now, I want you to see that. That comforter, and that comforter is going to abide with you, abide with you for how long? Forever. Forever. Do you know what that means? You can't lose your salvation. Isn't that good? He's going to abide with you forever. So when the Holy Spirit is removed, according to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, that means that we have to be gone too. That's good news, man. That is really good news. So he's going to abide with us forever. Wow. Verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So here the Holy Spirit, he, what, he, was, he, he didn't begin, the Holy Spirit didn't begin at Pentecost. He was with them. He was with them, but he was going to be in them. Do you remember when Samson, he had his hair cut <laughs> by Delilah? And they came and she said, Samson, the Philistines are here. And he shook himself. That's what he'd always do. You know, he'd be in a bad situation. He'd shake himself and he tried to do it that time. And the Bible says, and he wist not that the Holy Spirit had departed him. How about that? He'd left him. You know, that doesn't happen with us. That doesn't happen with us. Why? Because he's in us. He is the indwelling Holy Spirit. That is the promise that Jesus Christ gave of the Holy Ghost. So now, let's read on. So he's the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. So, you know, when the world rejects your truth, understand that they're rejecting God. All right. Um, he dwelleth in you, he dealt with you, shall be in you. Verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. So then, if you drop down to verse uh, 24. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things, that's just what I just explained about the Jesus Christ speaking the things that he got from the Father. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. I'll stop there for a second. How many of you have ever heard that the Bible is an oral tradition that was passed down, passed down, until it was finally written down? How many of you have ever heard somebody say that? All right. I'm glad most of you haven't heard that because it's not true. Now, are there things in the Old Testament that were oral traditions that were passed down? Yes. Yeah. But when they were written down, they were inspired by the Holy Ghost to be the exact words that God wanted in that book. So when the disciples were writing, when the apostles were writing Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, when they were recording the very words of Jesus Christ, they didn't make any mistakes. They had perfect recall. Because God the Holy Spirit guided them into all truth and brought all things to their remembrance. Isn't that good? You can have confidence in this book, the book that you hold in your hand. That's what the Holy Spirit was going to do. Now, um, look at verse 27. Peace I leave with you, 
My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So now, the Holy Spirit is going to come. Uh, look at chapter 16, John chapter 16. He's telling them that he's going to go away. Look at verse 5. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, Whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So here's the idea. Jesus Christ is going to leave. And when he leaves, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And it was important for them that he went away because the Holy Spirit was going to have a very important role. So here's the idea. If the Holy Spirit didn't come, there are some things that never would have happened. All right. I had a guy tell me one time, a preacher friend, he said, uh, I just believe that salvation's always been a grace. Adam got saved like I got saved. Abraham got saved like I got saved and gave me this whole list. And I said, well, that's great. I'm glad you feel that way. But what you're saying, so let me tell you what makes me physically ill about the way you preach that. What you're saying is that the completed scriptures, the mystery of the church, and the indwelling Holy Spirit have absolutely no significance. He stopped. We were driving. I was driving. He just got quiet and he said, I see, the, I see why that would bother you. <laughs> see there are some things that we could never do those passages that we looked at this morning the, those those prophets from first peter chapter one where they they just didn't know what they were writing they were written for those who would preach after that the holy ghost had come upon them well those things never would have been understood if the holy spirit hadn't come that's why it was important that jesus go away and then when the holy spirit comes here's what he's going to do uh, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. And it's interesting. How many of you have noticed that more people believed on Jesus Christ after he was gone than believed on him while he was here? How many of you have ever noticed that? You know why that is? Because the Holy Spirit came. That's awesome, isn't it? Sometimes we say, boy, if only Jesus could walk into the room, then people would believe. No, no. If they'll resist the Holy Spirit, they would definitely resist if one rose from the dead. All right. Then, uh, of righteousness, verse 10. Because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. That's a cool verse, isn't it? 
It's just a little while and he's going to be gone. But you know, it's just a little while until he comes back. I like that. Um, Then verse 17. Then said some of the disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us? A little while and ye shall not see me. And again a little while and ye shall see me. And because I go to the Father. Do you know why we understand that? Because we have the writings of the Apostle Paul. They, They didn't get it. They didn't get it. Now, after Luke 24, when he explains it, they understand more. But then, uh, verse 18. Then said there, they said, therefore, what is this that he saith? A little while. We cannot tell what he saith. Now, Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said? A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. Ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. So he goes on to explain about his death and his resurrection and all those things, and they still don't get it. They don't get it until after his resurrection. All right? Now, those are some things that we've learned about the Holy Spirit. We might pull out some other verses while we're going. But now let's go to, go to Genesis chapter 43 and find this. You all doing okay? All right. I want you to understand that most of what I've just told you about the Holy Spirit, uh, there are many, many churches that disagree with that. Right? You know, just about all of the satellite television preachers would disagree with what I just said. And pretty much all we did was read the Bible. Isn't that interesting? So that shows you. We try to be so biblical that if you disagree with what we're saying, you disagree with the Word of God. Those guys don't care what the Bible says. They're going to tell you what they want to say. Not all television preachers are that way, but a good number of them are. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's look at some uh, Joseph, uh, steward, a type of the Holy Spirit. They meet him before entering the door. Look at chapter 43 and look at verse 19. So here's here's Joseph's brothers coming to see Joseph. Verse 19, and they came near to the steward of Joseph's house and they communed with him at the door of the house. So, again, you can't come. You can't come to the father unless the Holy Spirit draws you. You can't do it. The only way, the only way to make it to Jesus Christ is through the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's just a beautiful picture of it. Then look at verse 23. He speaks peace to their hearts. And he said, peace be to you. Fear not. Your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money and he brought Simeon out unto them. So here he is speaking peace to their hearts. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit does because he's the comforter. He is the comforter. What a beautiful picture of it. And another thing that I think is interesting is apparently this steward had spent enough time with Joseph that he knew more about God, the God of the Hebrews, than the Hebrews did. Isn't that interesting? This beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit. Number three, though they had no apparent relationship with the Lord, he brings God before their eyes. How many of you have noticed as we have read through these passages, chapter 41 through the beginning of chapter 45, how little, how little Joseph's brothers 
or even Jacob, refer to God. He, he's not evident. Do you know when they, spurt, when they first speak of him? What has God done to us when they find the money in their sacks? So what he's doing, what this, what this steward is doing, is he's trying to get them to understand God's with them. The God of their father is with them. Do you think maybe they would wonder, how does this guy know about the God of our father? You know, they never asked that question. Interesting, interesting. So he's a type of the Holy Spirit. Look at number four. He brings them into Joseph's house. Look at verse 24. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water. And they washed their feet and he gave their asses provender. He brings them into Joseph's house. Uh, keep your place here. Look at Romans fifteen thirteen. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, surely the presence of the Lord is in this point. Um, so here's the deal. That we are brought to God and given hope through the Holy Spirit. Look at Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 5. So they're brought into the room to wait for Joseph. All right. Look at what this verse says. For through the spirit, for we through the spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. It's just such a beautiful picture. This is just such a beautiful picture of the Holy Ghost. He brings him to Joseph's house. Number five, he provides water and cleansing. He provides water and cleansing. And the men brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water and they washed their feet. Now, look at what it says in Titus chapter three. I quoted this verse this morning. Be good for you to be able to mark this, though. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. This is talking about our salvation. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's just, it's just the scripture, so consistent. Then he makes them presentable. To Joseph, he makes them presentable to Joseph. Look at verse twenty-five. Uh, that's what happened. That's what's happening in verse twenty-four. He is making them presentable to Joseph. Who is the one who sanctifies us to meet our Savior? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Look at number the number seven. Number seven. All this is done before the coming of Joseph and their face-to-face -face meeting. You see that in verse twenty-five, and they made ready the present against Joseph, uh, and they made ready the present against Joseph came at noon. For they heard that they should eat bread. So he's doing all of this before their face-to-face -face meeting. Then he gives glory to God and brings the sinner 
to the bread of life. He gives glory to God and brings the sinner to the bread of life. That's verse 23. Look at verse 23 again. And he said, Peace be unto you, fear not. Your God and the God of your father hath given, hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. And he brought Simeon out unto them. So here he is saying he had it. The Holy Spirit had it. And he gave it to him. But where did it come from? It came from God. What did he say? I won't speak of myself. He won't speak of himself, but he'll give glory to Jesus and glory to the Father. Wonderful picture of the Holy Spirit. Then, number nine, he is sent by Joseph to bring his brothers back. Look at chapter 44. Let's start reading in verse one. And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry. And put every man's money in his sack's mouth. And he put my cup, and put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest, and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. Do you see all the, all the things that the Holy Spirit does? Do you know when you have a gift, it's the Holy Spirit that does it? When, when you're going to have power for service, when you're going to be able to do anything, it's the, we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we, that's what we do. And... Whatever Jesus said that when he sends the Holy Spirit, whatever he tells him, that's what he will do. That's what he's doing here. Look at verse three. And as soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their asses. And when they were gone out of the city and not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, up, follow after the men. And when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, wherefore have you rewarded evil for good? So here they are. They're leaving. They're leaving, and Joseph's not done with them yet. So what does he do? He sends his steward to bring them back, to convict them of sin, to find the cup, to find the error. It, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He will convince of righteousness. He will convince of judgment. He's going to do all of those things. This steward is a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So here's the question. What has the Holy Spirit been doing in your life? Has the Holy Spirit been revealing more things about God to you? Has the Holy Spirit been knocking on your heart about things that you have been hiding in your life? You know that you can't hide from God? Psalm 139, where can I go to hide from God? If I ascend to the heavens, he's there. If I go to the lowest hell, he's there. It, 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 by night, he's there. It reminds me of Jacob when he was little. And we, had, we were living here on Edgewood Street. And we had these curtains that Dodie had made that came down over this window. And they came down about that high. And Jacob was just tall enough for them to cover his head. And he would hide behind those curtains and say, Come find me. And we'd go, Lord, and I'd go, where's Jacob? Where's Jacob? Pray for us. He's not real bright. <laughs> That's what it's like when we try to hide from God. It's the same thing. Do you know what the Holy Spirit does? He searches you. 
and tries you. Can we do this? Let's go to Psalm 139. Finish this up. Anybody here, this is your favorite psalm? Psalm 139? You all know I like the Gollum portion of it. Psalm 139, verse 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. I always think of Jacob right there. Even the night shall be light about me. Imagine, imagine trying to hide in darkness from the light of the world. Yea, the darkness, look at verse 11, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be a light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Now, look at verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What's the way everlasting? It's Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. That's what it is. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us that way. Now, praise God. If you're born again, you're not going to lose your salvation. Amen? The Holy Spirit's not going to depart from us. He'll be with us always. But He's also going to search your heart and convince you of sin and show you that. How are we going to know that? Through the Word of God. Remember what the Bible says, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What's the Holy Spirit doing in your life? What new truth, not new that no one's ever seen, but new for you, has the Lord shown you from the Word of God? Now, hopefully, you get that when you come to church. Amen? I hope it's not the same dry stuff over and over and over again. And I hope you do learn things here. But when's the last time that the Holy Spirit revealed truth from the Word of God to you in your personal and private study? That's what He wants to do. He wants to guide you into all truth. He wants to teach you the Word of God. He wants you to be able to compare things spiritual with spiritual because the words of God are spirit and their life. He wants you to do that. So when's the last time the Holy Spirit showed you something from the Word of God? When's the last time the Holy Spirit revealed something in your life that you needed to get right? And if He has, have you gotten it right? Is He convincing you of sin? Is He demonstrating something in your life that you need to get right? He wants to. He wants to. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you learned something new about God that the Holy Spirit revealed to you from His Word. You know that's one of His primary roles, is to bring glory to the Father, to bring glory to Jesus Christ. He wants you to see those things. He wants you to. And, simple question, are you better today than you were yesterday? You see, the Holy Spirit wants to sanctify you and make you more and more Christ-like until He comes or until you die 
whichever comes first. Amen? But the simple fact is you can resist the Holy Ghost. You can. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Don't think that you're hiding something from God. You're not. You're not. But you ready for this? He's not mad at you. Do you know what his message to you is? Peace. Peace. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. His message to you is peace. So don't be afraid to confess that sin. He already knows it. Come to him. Be pure. Be whole. Be filled for service. Be happy. That's what the Holy Spirit wants you to have. Amen? Let's bow our heads.